without Zika Diz. Peace, this is Outlaw. And listen to the 80s Babies Podcast. And on today's episode, we're revisiting the Make It a Classic. Yeah. First time in a long time, I think we've done one of these. And what we've decided to do is in the past, I think we've kind of targeted albums that we could kind of bully a little bit, right? <laughs> like they were, they're very easy to pick apart and say things that we don't like and, and, you know, how we would improve the album. Mm. And so we decided to challenge ourselves a little bit and tackle an album that some people already consider a classic. And I think right. you're one of the folks who do. I don't consider it a classic. Okay. I just think that it's a highly underrated album. Oh, so, so you feel it's underrated? Yeah. Okay, so it's definitely a good album, and I will say that. I think the only other time we've done a Make It a Classic like this where we thought, hey, this is a good album, we just need to make some tweaks here and there, was the UGK album. Right, right. The double disc, right? And so the one we're going to tackle today is a sophomore LP from Nod. It was written, released July 2nd, 1996. Yeah. Yinka, where were you when this was released, and where were you when you first really digested this album? Right. So... July of 1996, I'm moving uh, from Illinois to California. Okay. You had not lived in California prior to this? No. Okay. Yeah. So um, I was like, you know, new kid on the block around this time. So I didn't really get this until If I Ruled the World came out. Mm -hmm. I remember hearing If I Ruled the World in the car with my parents and just being captivated by it. And then coming to school as a new kid and people talking about it, you know, right. so I went out and I, and I went and got the album. And I remember at the time when I had an album that I wanted to listen to in the open in my house because my folks didn't let us listen to music with a lot of cussing in it. Mm-hmm. I'll go to Walmart because they had the, <laughs> the edited versions, right? Okay. So the first time I heard most of this album was it, back in the day, you go to Walmart, you take a CD, you scan it, and then... It gives you snippets of the album. Yeah. So you can hear like 30 seconds of like, I don't know, five songs or right. something like that. So I heard like 30 seconds of like five songs on this album. And I was like, oh my God, I got to get this. Bought okay. it. Loved it. Okay. Um, and the rest is history. Then I wanted to hear everything Nas ever did. I went back and got it. It was uh, Illmatic and the whole nine. So okay. How about you? Where so we- the first time I heard If I Ru- Ruled the World was probably on the radio in that same summer. I think the things that I was listening to at that time were pretty much anything that was on the radio. So I think the few albums that I had, I had Busta Rhymes, The Coming, mm-hmm. I had uh, the score from the Fugees, right, the Fugees were big, which man. was which was really really big. So I yep. was listening to that, and then like you know, Bone Thugs and Harmony, I think had yep. their Crossroads, Crossroads, yep. yeah. So records like that were were things that I was listening to. Right. Again, I didn't really start digesting hip hop until much later. Right. And so you know, even the AT Alien was on sort of around this time. Right. And these are just the hits on the radio that. that I'm catching so I'm not really you know digesting the music I think it wasn't until my junior year in high school which would have been 99 2000 ish is when I went back to really listen to this album in fact Mm -hmm. I want to say it was the the summer of my sophomore to junior year in high school I went to some program at Columbia University and this is right when people started the CD burning okay Uh, it was around that time and so someone had you know they were telling me about Nas and they burned this CD for me. And then, you know, I got Illmatic and things like that. So it, it wasn't until, I think, junior year when I really started to uh, digest this album. But the first one that I got into was the Nas Illmatic. So I'm trying to draw the line here, uh-huh. right? So so you get into Woo. Yeah. And then Woo leads you to, to Illmatic. No, so what leads me to Illmatic was the blaze article that was released at the fall of my uh, sophomore year in the high best school, MCs. the best mc so nas is on that list uh, 
and uh, I think I had actually listened to Roots fall up, things fall apart first, right? And then um, I started going back into the Roots, and then after that, like I started getting into Rock Kim and Big Daddy Kane and Nas and just like all these cats that people thought were legends, right? Um, because you know, I in my mind, I thought like Method Man and Inspector Deck were like the best, right? Right. And so you know, it, it, even then, like that's when I started getting into Biggie, mm-hmm. and so it, it might have actually not had been the you know, I think I misspoke. I said that I think it was the summer after my sophomore year, but that's not correct. I think it was actually, it was probably the following summer. In fact, I think when someone burned this CD for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I had listened to Illmatic my junior year and I Am my junior year. So I think right. that's what it was. So I listened to I listened to Illmatic, I Am, and then I went back to go listen to It Was Written. Yeah. So, Bad. Yeah. so you want to go to Critical Reception? Yeah, I think the critical reception for this album is kind of polarizing. I mean, I think yeah. that no one thinks that this is a bad album, but right. I think that some people kind of criticize it. It depends on depends where you sit on Nas. So if you're in the camp that thinks it, you know, worships Illmatic and thinks that like that's the best we get from Nas, I think that yeah. that camp criticizes this album for being, you know, too too commercially friendly, for commercially viable, too mafioso. I think that if you're just someone who's like, look, I don't care about you know any of the rhetoric. I just want some good hip hop music. Mm. I think that some people look at this and say that, hey, this might even be better than Illmatic. Yeah. So uh, the critical reception is is a little kind of mixed in that regard. I think that from my friends, my contemporaries, this wasn't an album that a lot of people really talked about. I mean, they liked Nas, they liked this album, but it wasn't one of the big marquee projects, hmm. if you will. And I, I kind of want to get to that a little bit when we talk about the actual make it a classic mm-hmm. and what are the bones that I have to pick with it. So in your in your mind, where's the what's the critical reception? So on, on the critical per, uh, scale, I'm I'm looking. We're looking not now, kind of at these scores, and mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it seems like everybody except Rolling Stone thought this was an amazing album. Uh, it pretty much got four stars or four and a half stars from from everybody who rated it here. Entertainment Weekly gave it an A minus. The source gave it four mics. Uh, Rolling Stone for some reason gave it two stars. And then they did an album guide, and they gave it four stars. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know how they yeah. <laughs> they did that. But um, but yeah. So um, I mean, I'll you know kind of agree with you that I kind of grew up with a crew of of kind of oldests. Okay. So you know, we didn't not most of my close friends we didn't have older brothers that were telling us about stuff. So you know, mm-hmm. the one person who had like an older brother or older sister would be the person who would tell us like. Oh yeah, it was written as whack. Like, like Illmatic's way better, but okay. but that wouldn't happen until later. So yeah. for us, we're digesting this album for the first time as like this is a brand new album. We've never heard Illmatic before. We're not familiar with all the holy grail producers right. and everything that we're supposed to be familiar with. Yeah. To to you know kind of put those two things next to each other. So we love this album. We thought okay. it was great. I thought it was dope. All the people around me, for the most part, thought it was dope. The one or two people that had older siblings around us were like oh yeah you know it's not good Illmatic is is better yeah but for us I think you know the people around me we were like oh no this album is is, is fire and to challenge one of the things that you said earlier mm-hmm. um this is Nas's best-selling album it is yeah um, I think yeah it's and double platinum so I mean I, I think this did do well from a commercial mm-hmm. perspective it may not be a marquee album in terms of the way we look at hip-hop right but from the perspective of commercial success, it had a lot more commercial success than it Illmatic. Did. Sure, yeah, sure. but yeah, I mean that, that those are kind of my thoughts on the on the. Yeah, and part of the commercial success comes from you know the radio play mm-hmm. the, the the records, but the other 
part of the commercial success comes from the idea that like Nas is now a star. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. And so people are looking forward to his project. Mm-hmm. Same thing that we talked about with Met the Man to Cal 2000. You know, that probably went double platinum. Not because it was any good, <laughs> yeah. but because people were really, really excited yeah, for the album. Yeah. And so I think that that's one of the things we have to take into consideration. Oh, definitely. I think part of the, the whole conflict and clash about this album, right, is mm-hmm. that Nas sees what Big's doing. Yeah. He also sees what Wu's doing. What Tupac he, is doing. He tries to kind of incorporate all of those things at the same yes. time. So so he sees the mafioso shit, yeah. you know, the 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 wizard wordplay shit that Ray's doing. And he says, yes. Okay, I wanna I wanna <laughs> yes. be that, right? I wanna be mafioso. Yes. So he invents this Escobar character yes. that he puts on this album. Uh then additionally, he sees what Big is doing with Puff. Mm-hmm. And he and Steve Stout create this relationship right. where Steve Stout, who has relationships with Trackmasters, says, OK, we're going to make you a star. And I, mm-hmm. I mean, he did. You know, yeah. I, I, he was very successful. But people it's interesting, man. It's like people, it is want, people want their person to stay how yes. they remember them. And yeah. so, you know. Illmatic Nas is this super lyrical, dope dude off the block telling you about his neighborhood. You know, he's 19, he's rough around the edges. This Nas is like cartoonish, you know, yeah. sexy, white fly suits, you know, rapping yeah. about, about you know, from this perspective of, yeah. you know, a, a whole nother level. And so Steve Stout puffy-eyesed Nas mm-hmm. in the way that Puffy did for, for Big. Yeah. And... Some people don't like that, but I don't know that we would be waxing as poetic about Nas as we are now had it not happened. Because for for all intents and purposes, Illmatic is a great album for hip hop nerds. Yeah. But, you know, the way we remember Nas and we talk about Nas, we talk about Nas with Biggie and mm-hmm. Tupac and you know, all the biggest names, you know, Bob Marley. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> yeah, Nas is, is on that level. This is true. Would he be on that level had this not happened? It's a fair question to ask. And I think that when we talk about Steve Stout to Nas as Puff is to Biggie, I think the difference is Puff almost had to do it in a way to make Biggie marketable because mm. Biggie was so gangster was so hardcore like Mm -hmm. if you go like fuck ready to die and go listen to just his regular raps (laughs) biggie has some of the hardest shit i've ever heard in my life like like straight up blasphemous shit talking about like raping mother mary right Right, like and leaving her body in a sewer like i've heard this rap and here's Mm. the thing here's the thing that sounds crazy that verse is actually fire i'm not gonna (laughs) spit it i'm not gonna spit it because it's like it's damn near blasphemous but it's a dope ass record like but this dude was hard hardcore and i think that puff like there was Mm. no way to really market that to the masses but Mm. here you have this dope ass mc it's like Mm -hmm. okay how can we actually make him a sex symbol Mm -hmm. And so they glamorized the mafia aspect to do that. And it kind of yeah, makes sense. And it made more sense. I like think that. that the better comparison for Nas actually would have been Outkast in the sense that there are some Outkast purists who don't even like, they don't even like um, AT Aliens, which is blasphemous, right? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. But their logic to that is that, well, you know, Andre 3000 was cool until he got in with Erica Badu. Then he went crazy. <laughs> and I don't like all these transitions. I like the old organized noise outcast with Andre and Big Boy. And they don't mm-hmm. necessarily like those transitions. But to me, I love it when an artist grows. I yeah. love it when an artist, you know, have you have the you have them, 
you know, when they're raw in their early stages and then they get more mature and they right. just go in all different new directions. And the thing that differentiates Outkast from Nas mm-hmm. is that I think that they were always making sure that they were doing their art. They mm-hmm. always wanted to put forth what they wanted to do. And yeah. the challenge for us was to accept something new. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we necessarily got that from Nas. Mm-hmm. And that's my biggest criticism with this album, which we can get into. But yeah. he's like, he is clear that you got a guy who's borrowing pieces from this artist and that artist and and these people Mm. and still trying to somehow give his own personal message which kind of gets diluted and lost a little bit and it's just like dude what are you doing but i will say and and people don't say this very much Nas wrapped his ass off on this album. He fucking did. And, Some of and his I, best bars are on and this I, album. Right. I will say, he's actually a better rapper on this than he was on Illmatic. No, he no doubt. No question. as an MC, yes, right? No doubt. Uh, but like you said, you know, are we learning more about Nas yeah. than we knew before? Or are yeah. we learning about what they want us to, you know, to put together to make Nas a character that's more interesting? Because at yeah. the end of the day, right, I think... Andre, you know, the Andre comparison is good from the perspective of introspection. Mm-hmm. And Andre's always had astute, you know, social commentary, but yeah. it got it got better and better and sharper and mm-hmm. sharper um, throughout. Nas actually kind of grew with his social commentary, but then he slapped it on top of like, oh yeah, but I'm also Escobar and I do all this. And it's just like, exactly, <laughs> it, exactly. Like, like, this is I'm the in most the studio confusing. raising my hands like, dude, what's good? <laughs> this is the most confusing album ever yes, from yes. that perspective. And that's, and that's my. So that's my I guess I guess we're now already in our perception. So I mean, you can you can continue on, but uh, well, no, let's just yeah. go right on to the, the the highlights for you. Man, this album starts so strong. The message, street yeah. dreams. I gave you power. Watch them niggas. Like I would say, the, the two, three, and four. The message, street dreams. I gave you power. Mm-hmm. Is a great three song. Sure, run. it certainly um, is. So that that run is a highlight for me. Affirmative action is a highlight for mm-hmm. me. We we finally get the firm. As you know, I'm I like the firm. I liked the folks in the firm. Live nigga rap. Yeah, man, it's so weird because, and we'll we'll get to this when I when we break it down. This song doesn't even fit on this album. No, it doesn't. This song should be on a Mob Deep album. It, in <laughs> fact, well, you know, I'll just go ahead and say it right now. He bought this song from Mob Deep. This, yeah. this song was recorded for Hell on Earth, and this was one of their Nas features. I did not and know it that. Took, it took some negotiating, and finally they were like, it's Nas. Let's sell it to him. Yeah. This, this song does not belong yeah, on this it album. It doesn't belong on it, but, it but, but it's a highlight. on a Mob Deep project. <laughs> and then, you know... Lauren Hill in her prime. I mean, obviously, if I rule the world, it's got to be a highlight. Yeah. Uh, anything I missed? Uh, I really like Taken in Blood. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I really like Taken in Blood. I think that that's the only one that you missed. Yeah. The only other one that I really like this song, uh-huh. Shootouts. Yeah. I love the song Shootouts, but again, I'm just so confused yeah. by everything. <laughs> yeah. By everything about <laughs> this it. This is mad confusing. Um, it, yeah. Like, here's my thing, and I'm going to get into my highlights. Uh-huh. There are no bad songs on this album with the exception of black girl lost and that's something that you have to pick apart because it doesn't sound bad right and i think that on its surface like oh it's supposed to be some kind of message to it and then when you really pick it apart We'll, let's we'll just, say, let's we'll just say talk that. about it. Let's just talk about it. All right, Black Girl right. Lost is the most confusing song ever. Yeah. Yo, this is like a song that should be good, right? Like, it should be good. Like the the subject matter is is excellent. Yeah. The intro where you know even you know the the the, the news is on in the background and the, yeah. you know the girls are talking and they're talking about how yeah I'm not gonna fuck with anybody who's drinking White Star Moet. They gotta be right. popping Chris. I'm looking not for that the, White Stuff. They talk about how you know he's talking all that back to Africa. Shit, yeah. blah blah blah. Great that guy, theme. You mean that guy body shit. 
great. Great theme. Got JoJo from Case from Jodeci, you yeah. know, on the record. Like, this should be a good song. Yeah. And it's not. No, it's, but it's, it's not. But it's like, it's like the one song that just glaringly points out like how just contradictory and just all over the yeah. place Nas is. And I think Jay did a great, excellent job of pulling that out yeah. when he said, you know, is it is it black girl lost or, or, or shorty owe you for ice? Yeah. You know, in that in that disc. Because really I mean the, the those two songs are, are kind of talking about the same woman, are they not? Right. Like so here's my thing. It is really easy to pick this song apart from the postmodern feminist perspective, right? right? And I am not that dude. If you heard me on this podcast, I try to be sympathetic to some of these things, but, you know, who knows? You could probably even misconstrue or interpret some of the things that I say as supporting patriarchy, which whatever. I'm not, I wouldn't say that I would do that. But that being said, even from that perspective, this song makes no sense <laughs> because he's sitting here and he's blaming the girl for all of her own problems right. and has Casey and JoJo in the background <laughs> saying, you should be ashamed. Nigga, what the fuck? <laughs> you had those two cats right. saying that shit? Right. What is wrong with you? Right. Like, it's, you know what it's I mean? so confusing. It, it so makes no confusing. sense. It's like if Black Girl lost, it's like, all right, well, the Black girl that you have that you're depicting in this is following the example set by her from all the dudes in her surroundings. She's following the example set from your music. Exactly. Exactly. It makes no fucking sense. No sense. Like even if you want to (laughs) speak down on her from this perspective, you gotta rise up, yo. You gotta be the responsible one. You gotta take accountability. Like what are you doing? Because again, we talk about we talk about Nas kind of pulling from everywhere. Yes. This is supposed to be his Brenda's got a baby, and it falls (sighs) so so. Short of the mark. It does. Like, I, I, what? I think that if you just listen to the song without paying close attention, it's it's fine because it sounds it sounds yeah, good. It sounds okay. Sounds fine. Sounds fine. But then you just start actually paying attention. You actually start, <laughs> you know, doing what your ears are meant for, which is listening. Right. If you start using your critical thinking skills, you don't even have to think that hard to just start picking this shit apart. It's like, yeah. no, that's that's a problem. That's a problem. It's like, come on, dude. Yeah. I need better from you, now. And it's funny because like. This song didn't even resonate with me back then. Like a yeah. lot of us talk about. This is I, a song I, I, I skipped back in the day. I've heard a lot of people <laughs> talk about the miseducation of Lauryn Hill and how they feel as though the themes, at least, did not age well on that album. Yeah. But this is a song that it didn't even hit the mark back then. Right. Like with my young brain, I wasn't listening to it going, "He's right." Like, yeah. I really. That, this is this is impactful. <laughs> how could you? Because you can't even relate to the stuff he's talking about. Fair, here. fair. You know? But I mean, I, I don't really relate to Brenda's Got a Baby, but that song resonated with me you know what i mean yeah no i got you um yeah so anyway um do you want to break it down into uh the low lights well we've already started talking about the big low light so from a song perspective the only low light i have is black girl lost okay now the main low light i have from this is just and we teased at this it's just Mm -hmm. how confusing this sounds so Mm -hmm. this album can almost be breaking down into like four parts right so uh in two halves if you will so so in the sense that like one half of the album is commercial Mm -hmm. the other half of the album is i guess more underground and hardcore Mm -hmm. but then within that half of the commercial album has like I won't say positive messaging, but it almost has like um, like a warning, like, mm-hmm. hey, like this is something that we need to be avoiding. Yeah. Yet the other half of that commercial aspect 
is like celebrating the life. Yeah. And then the same thing with the underground hardcore part. Mm -hmm. Some of it is just like, yo, this is like a warning. We need to move out of this direction. Yeah. And then the other half of it is just like, nah, like I'm a hardcore gangster. And it's yeah. just like, dude, make up your mind. Like, yeah. what the fuck are you telling me? And yeah. I think that, you know, for Nas's growth, what you talked about for us to put him in the upper echelon MC, he needed to grow. He kind of needed to step into one, the commercial spotlight. And mm -hmm. two, he needed to touch on on some more mafioso themes. Mm -hmm. But he did it all across the board and I yeah. don't think he even knows what he's trying to do. Yeah. I think I think that that is also a low light for me. So I have a few low lights that I'll go top to bottom, but okay. but just to start, you know, what you're saying is 100% true. This is a very unfocused effort. Yeah. I'll even take it to another level with, right? So on the album's intro, He's leading oh, a slave yeah, rebellion, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I forgot about that. So you're le you're leading a slave rebellion, and then you know you go into the message, and yeah. th that kind of doesn't even make sense. Yeah. But it, but it, but but I'll give it to you, right? Like I almost feel like he recorded the first like I don't know six songs, mm -hmm. and then went away. You know, was like, yo, I got a crazy <laughs> album. Went to like I don't know the Galapagos with 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 Az. <laughs> I'm only saying the Galapagos because Az said the Galapagos on a song. But anyway, he goes to some island somewhere to celebrate how he has this great album, and then he just fucks off the rest of the album because yeah. like this is just some piecemeal shit, man. Yeah. Like like okay, Nas is coming. Like like yeah, that that doesn't even fit. And it, it doesn't and it, fit. It's not a bad. It, song though yeah it's just but it doesn't fine. fit it, it, it doesn't he, fit he, it's like it sounds like something that should have been on that terrible aftermath compilation that nobody talks about right like like it's just some like some seamless doctor Dre shit from this from this time frame like it's yeah. like all right just shut that shit on a compilation so we don't have to listen to i don't it. think it's a bad song though but, but it's not a good song it's just a, it's just a, right. an okay dr dre song from this time when i listen to it i feel like i'm getting in a time machine and going back to 1996 97 to like Dre, like yes. where Dre was trying to figure out what he was doing, like th mm -hmm. that's what it sounds like. Then you have affirmative action. Yeah, I, I really like that song, right? Yeah, like that's a good that, song. That's a song, though. It sounds like was maybe they did it when, when they were like, "Yo, we 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 might be able to do this firm thing," mm -hmm. right? So it's like a firm song. Then then you have the setup where it's like, okay, you're from Queens, I'm from Queens. We make these songs about people getting stuck up on our albums. You want to have one too? Yeah. Sure, put yeah. it on my album. Yeah. But don't even feature Prodigy. Like I, so, so here's my problem. That's with, a low light. Here's the, here's the problem with the with with the setup, right? Mm -hmm. And we're kind of going back and forth here, taking turns with this. But my problem with the setup is that look, it's a dope beat and it's a dope rhyme. But half of the concept they kind of took out of the um, the infamous. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But it's like almost like from the reverse perspective. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like in the the one I, I forget what the the song is, but. On the one song you have Prodigy telling a story how he thinks he might be getting set up from a girl. Right. And from this perspective, it's just like, oh, we're sending the girl to go set out the dude, right? right? Uh, set up the dude. Yeah. But the other thing too is it like not from the drums, but from the rest of the in instrumentation. Like this is a straight rip off of Incarcerated Scarfaces. Mm. Like it's the two tones that kind of go back and forth. Yeah. And so it's like, all right, so not only are you borrowing a song from a song concept kind of from the infamous but then you're borrowing a beat from only built from cuban links right and it's just like it it just reminds like listening to this album now it just kind of reminds me that of, of all of the contemporaries yeah and so i think that if you're you know i think that if you were just to listen to this album on its own it's it's good it's fine but if when you contextualize it that's when the problems kind of come apart yeah. right so i think the albums that you really need to compare this to 
would be um, obviously we talked about the infamous. Right. We talked about Cuban only, built, only built for Cuban links. Right. I think even all eyes on me. Mm-hmm. Maybe some of the Jay Z projects, even though it doesn't doesn't sound anything like it, I mm-hmm. think it's just important to note where Jay Z was. Right. So you know we have. Um, uh, reasonable doubt, mm-hmm. and then even Biggie, to definitely some Biggie, yeah, because yeah, he, yeah. he disses Biggie on this, on sure. this album. He, yeah. Yes, yes. So Biggie, Life After Death, which does come out after this, right? And yeah, I think that like it's clear that he's just kind of borrowing bits and pieces from mm-hmm. from everybody. Yeah. And the fact that you have Dre on here trying to bridge the gap between East yeah. and West when Dre is being outcasted from his own label at Death Row <laughs> is very, very telling. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh, you picked the the one dude who like folks on Death Row aren't even fucking with anymore. Uh, so anyway, it, yeah. so, I, I kind of hijacked that point there. But. It's all good. Yeah, so setup is definitely a low light for me. Suspect didn't need it, but you know I, that's a that's a low light for me because I mm-hmm. I just I, did, I don't feel like this album needed it at all. Okay. Um. So those are my my low lights. I think sequencing is my biggest. Sequencing is the big big issue here. But it's weird. It's a highlight and a low light. I tell yeah. you why. Okay. Because this this beginning stretch yeah, is really what good. makes people think this is a good album. Yeah. Right. It's because they front loaded this album really well. Yeah. And then they just fucked off the second half. Like, I think. Tracks two through six are really, really strong. Mm-hmm. Eight is strong as well. Yep. And it makes you kind of maybe gloss over the fact that Nas is... Like, if Nas is coming was on a lesser album, I wouldn't give two shits about it. But yeah. because it comes between taking right. the blood and the like, action, it's like, oh, it's cool. Yeah. It's cool. The setup, I actually don't necessarily have a problem with. And here's my thing. Like, mm. I don't really have a problem with any of these songs individually. Yeah. So they just don't work together. Why, why the sequencing is bad but yeah. the next song i kind of want to point out mm-hmm. is shootouts right yeah. so i love this track uh i love what Pokentone do with it i love the lyrics on it but here's the problem like it is clear that Pokentone are doing their best resident impression you know what i mean so we haven't gotten to our make it a classic yeah but my make it a classic for that song is for rizza to actually make that beat <laughs> so <laughs> so it's hilarious all right, all right, that you right. say that they're doing their best rizza impression Agree and not only that he's doing his best Ray and Ghost impression, and like yo, that's the other my other make it a classic. I wanted to add Ray and Ghost to the so, song. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. So I understand why some people who might be introduced to Wu Tang a little later don't necessarily understand Ray and Ghost because I understand when people say that those two people talk gibberish, mm-hmm. right? I don't agree with that, but but I get it because oftentimes like they throw so much imagery and visualization out there that it's kind of like it's up to the audience to kind of put these things together and that's what Nas is trying to do with this song particularly in the second verse when he's talking about the shootout like in the neighborhood like he's just throwing in all these little pieces of imagery here and there to try to set up the scene for you and it's just like yo I know I've heard this before it's like oh that's right I heard it on Only Built for Cuban Links (laughs) like not only was Raekwon doing it Ghostface is doing it too and guess what they're doing it better and there's no knock it's not but it's just like it is it's like my god like it's like you're ripping everything from everybody on this joint. I think that's in hindsight, though. I feel like when maybe, I listened to maybe. it when I when when I was a kid, I didn't get Here, that. Right? Here's why. Here's why it's a problem, and I'm at, and I actually forgot this, but I, mm-hmm. here's why Nas is coming is actually a problem for me. Okay. Now that I think about it, because the song itself <laughs> isn't bad, but the intro dialogue between Dr. Dre and Nas. Nas is talking about how like, oh, you know, people are trying to steal your style, people are trying to steal your beats. It's like, <laughs> what are you doing? Especially with with Street Dreams, uh, right? Yo, uh, Street Dreams, the All Eyes on all Me. That song was recorded in. 
in like 1995 and was released in February of 1996. And Nas is talking about, oh, it was just a coincidence. It's like, yo, your shit was recorded in 96 and released in <laughs> July. Like, that shit from Tupac was released in fucking February. Yeah. Like, you could have done something different. So <laughs> if someone is saying that, yo, you jacked his beat, Fuck it. Like, look yeah. at the chronology. You jacked the beat. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know what else you want. To, what else you want me to tell you? Yeah. But you jacked the beat there. I mean, but the thing is, you know, you also being somebody who is a big Jay fan. I mean, Jay did, has multiple albums of essentially jacking sure. everybody around him, right? Sure. So I think, I think kind of all of these folks. That's you know, that's kind of what, what it is. They kind of take take and borrow things from you know their contemporaries and kind of use it to create you know what it is that we love about them and that's where we're going to talk about the difference between jay-z and nas we've already talked about this numerous times is that jay-z always had a path a vision for himself about not just who he how he wanted to personify himself the image you know how he portrayed himself what we saw when we when we thought of jay-z but he also always thought about it from the business perspective mm -hmm. and nas never really had that yeah. business acumen nas and so it's like look yes jay-z is definitely you know stole a lot of rhymes from people and a lot of styles and beats and all this other stuff in terms of like what other people were doing right he definitely uh hopped on the wave similarly to how like drake does oftentimes right but you know fuck it we knew what jay-z wanted like jay-z wanted to be a billionaire and he's close to that for exactly that reason so yeah. you know i think nas is just you know I, I don't think that he necessarily had that same foresight the way no. the way you know Jay. No, did. he never did. He never did. But um, but yeah, he's he's somebody who I mean, whenever I talk about people who need to be executive produced, yeah, Nas exactly. is always yeah. the person no. that comes up. And I will say, I, I kind of got to give it to Steve Stout in that this album could have been way worse if Nas yeah. was picking his own beats yeah. and picking his own direction. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So you want to go to the make it a classic? Yeah, we've kind of hinted at a little bit. Uh, uh, I think you and I share a lot of the same ideas, but the yeah. main thing is, is sequencing. And I'm not even sure if I can decide how to sequence this album. I'm, mm -hmm. I think, I'm, you know, I think I love the way it starts and I love the way that it that it ends. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so it's the stuff in the middle that we kind of need to, to, to clear yeah. up. But it, it just gets so unfocused. And I, and I think I want a central theme. I, yeah. I, I need you to figure yeah. out. Like, are you trying to educate us or are you trying to pop bottles and celebrate yourself? Like, yeah. which is it? Yeah, that's, you know that's I mean? real. I, I didn't I didn't go that far when I kind of put, right. but I put some, some thoughts together. So well, let me hear yours first then. We can kind of piggyback off of that. So I cut the intro because yeah. it just doesn't fucking make any sense. No. <laughs> do, you, um, do, you, do you just cut right into the message or because the, the, the beat that kicks in at the, the intro is actually kind of cool. Yeah, I, I kind of want something to be there before the message, yeah. but I want it to make the album make sense. Yeah. And that intro does not it do, does not do make that. Sense. So I don't I don't know how you do that. And you know that's somewhere where I really got to give it to RZA in this time frame mm -hmm. because RZA really did a good job mm -hmm. of like finding bits that really tied together what mm -hmm. he was trying to get you to, to understand. And Nas missed the mark on that. Yeah. One. Um. So the message, perfect. Keep it. Street dreams. Keep I like it. it. Yeah. I gave you power. Keep it. Yo. Don't tell me what your fucking concept is before yeah. the song starts. Yeah. If I could just get Nas to not say, it's like I'm a gun. It's like I'm a fucking gun. If I could just get him to not say that, this would be a five mic, five star song. It's one of my favorite Nas songs of all time, but I 
hate that he says that. So let me, so let me interject here and let me add my two cents. Uh, <laughs> so the first time I heard I Gave You Power, I actually wasn't paying attention to the intro. Mm-hmm. I didn't start really like getting into the lyrics until like halfway through the second verse and I'm, right. I'm listening. I'm like, oh my God, like he's talking about being a gun. Like, oh my God, this is amazing. Right. And then I went back to listen to it like right then and there. And I was like, wait, he tells us he's a gun at the beginning <laughs> of the song. Why would you do Why that? Why would you that's, do that? That's Thank weird. You. And here's the thing. Um, <laughs> I went back to go listen to or, or read some interviews about this, and he was saying that everybody around him told him to take that out, but they were saying how stubborn he was and oh, that he wow. wanted to leave it in, and they were like, yo, take it out. Everybody knows what you're going to talk about, mm-hmm. but he's like, nah, I don't think they're going to get it. I don't think they're going to get it, so he's underestimating his own audience, and he admits yeah. later that he underestimated the audience, but here's the weird thing about it. Okay. That you know, King Guap. We talked about yeah. King Guap is a little kid who uh, he's like 18, 19. So maybe he's not a little kid. <laughs> Don't mean no disrespect. But in re- relation to us, he's a younger listener who's going back to listen to a lot of these songs. And he has a reaction video for this. Mm-hmm. And he's like blown away. Like he's, right. he's going back to rewind. And he's like, oh, my God, like this is amazing. Yeah, so yeah. that kid got it. Uh-huh. Your audience gets it. Like everybody understands <laughs> what you're getting with from the song. Yet this is the one that you des- decided to explain. Right. Yet there's other topics where you probably could have explained a little bit more what exactly are you trying to 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 say here and you don't so on the easiest track for your audience to get that's the one that you decided to dumb down and explain even more (laughs) and on these other more complicated more nuanced pieces that you're doing you're just kind of leaving it out there and allowing me to just interpret it however i want to which may be what you intended maybe not what you intended it's just it's like dude what are you doing it blows me every time i hear this song i almost like try to just like take my headphones off real quick or something when he when he says it's like i'm a gun because yeah i always just i literally tune out the intro until until the drums kick in and and it's such an amazing song that that's like one little flaw that just you know it just annoys you about it right this is the song i think that when i tell people to go back and listen to Nas, like the doubters, mm-hmm. right? This is the song that I always recommend. I'm like, yeah. go back and listen to I Gave You Power. Right. Listen to it, take it in, and then shut your mouth and don't disrespect Nas that, again. That's actually the same for this me. this song yeah. is, in my opinion, you know, if I rule the world really, really good, the message right. is really, really good. But I think that not only is I Gave You Power the most powerful song on this record, it's mm-hmm. one of the most powerful songs on this catalog. Yeah. And I think that it's so powerful that that's kind of the theme that I wanted for the rest of the album. Mm. And it's like, we don't we don't really, yeah. really get it. But you, I think that's Nas, right? Yeah. Like like with Nas, it's it's like, he kind of almost takes you somewhere always. Yeah, and then he just, he just leaves you, he just leaves <laughs> you there. You're just like, man, like this was almost amazing. Uh, you know, so... I feel like he just has like a lot of half-baked ideas in his brain yeah. that like they're almost really good ideas. They're just not fully fleshed out or fully developed. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, I gave you power is is it's just such an amazing song. Like yeah. you said, if we could have a whole album around, you know, like that kind of like a concept album that's as fully thought out and fleshed out as this as this song. Where is. do you think you would sequence it? Where do you think you would put it? I'm not breaking that three song stretch. Okay. Yeah, so I would just leave it there. So and even, you know, watch them niggas. I, I like mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think I think it, I think it's fire. And and, and, and I think Foxy Foxy killed it, yo. As uh um, she's just on the hook, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but what I would do here is I would add A Z. Of course. Um, yeah, yeah, that's definitely an A Z song. Yeah, A Z would, yeah. would murder that joint. Um so th- I got A Z on that song. 
The next song, Take It In Blood, That's really like the song. I, like. I, I really like yeah, the song yeah, yeah. too. I added Nature and Cormega. I really want this this album to like foreshadow the Firm's album, okay. and then I want the Firm's album to be better, which we talked about on the okay. Firm episode. So yeah, I added Nature and Cormega on that. Nas is coming. I just cut it. Yeah, we're nixing that. I'm a yeah. nixing too. Um, affirmative action. I just want Foxy to learn math. Uh, like, <laughs> I wasn't even gonna go there. <laughs> if, Foxy, if Foxy can learn how to do math, like I just want to be like, please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. Like, yo, like, like, how, like, what, what is going on here? Right, right, uh, right. But other than that, this song is amazing. I, I really love this song. One of the things I really love about it, at the very beginning, I think it's a it's a keyboard. I think maybe uh, that the track masters yeah. are, are playing. But it sounds almost like, like a mandolin like, yeah, or something. This is absolutely it's, right. It's not quite on beat at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. It's like a mistake. Right. And I love that. Okay. I, I just really love the fact that like it's just off a little bit because it's like it feels very human. Mm -hmm. So I really, really love that song. The setup, I just cut it. Black Girl Lost. Man, I get what you are trying to do here. Yeah. Keep the concept. And just make a whole different song. Change like, the name too. And yeah, Black Girl Lost is not. Yeah, the, that might have been fine in 1996, yeah. but yo, with JoJo on there, yeah. you should be ashamed. What? <laughs> just, just like, don't victim blame on this yes. joint. Like, so you know, the the girls. It's interesting. The conversation they had at the beginning really reminds me of this like Instagram era, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. but talk about the factors that created that mentality yeah, right don't yes, talk yes, about yes. like yo you should be ashamed of yourself nah, like, yo. like what are you put the onus here? entirely on her it's exactly. like yo y'all help create this environment for them exactly. like what's good exactly so completely redo that song suspect i just cut it okay shootouts like i said i have rizzo redo the yeah. beat i add uh, ray, and, ray ghost. and ghost on yeah. the song i like it i like <laughs> um, that i like that and then uh live nigga rap i make it a bonus cut because it doesn't fit mm-hmm and then if i rule the world is if i rule the world so i think it's a good closing song okay. um even though when i really really think about it it also kind of doesn't fit on the album um in terms of the production and yeah. stuff god you got a lauren hill in her prime yeah. feature amazing hook uh great song there's a reason why this is his best-selling album and mm -hmm. it's that song it is it's absolutely so, correct um yeah i have no issues with if i rule the world being on the album and its placement i think at the end is probably where it belongs yeah. i gave you power i think i might actually open with it oh wow so i think that the sound bed that's in the album intro the second half of that yeah i think that maybe i i have that sound because it's a really good sound bed, and have them talking about whatever yeah and then Boom, go into I Gave You Power. Mm -hmm. You know, because if you think about the way that Illmatic starts, mm -hmm. it starts off with that Illmat, um, it starts off He's with talking. the premier beat, uh, and then it goes, well, it goes into New York State of Mind. Yeah. Right? And that kind of like constant droning piano that's like a dope beat, mm -hmm. but it's just like, mm -hmm. It, that kind of feel was really, really good. Yeah. And I think that you could get the same thing with, with I Gave You Power. And it also right. really kind of like makes that message resonate. Like, what are we doing? It's like, oh, like, this is how we're living wrong. And I think that you can kind of then go into Street Dreams, the message. So I would actually kind of reverse mm. the way that that goes. I might oh, okay. actually go to I Gave You Power, Street Dreams, and then the message. I, uh. I might do something like that. Okay. Um, Taking in Blood, instead of adding Nature and Cormega, I would mm. actually add Coogee Rap. That's oh, just me yeah. because that, that's those... actually interesting that you said that because I was thinking to myself, I wonder where I could put Cool G yeah. because I it would be I, I, the two of them together. Yeah, I, I think that yeah. those drums kind of have 
that early 90s vintage sound to it and mm. i think the cool g rap would sound perfect over that yeah that's interesting because i also when i was looking at the these credits mm-hmm. live squad low ground and top general sounds the people who produced this song i'm not even familiar with them so live squad uh there was a producer i think his name was stretch and uh yeah so i think that Stretch was actually in the Quad Studios when Tupac got shot. Oh, Stretch? You talking about Tupac's security guard, Stretch? His man? I don't know if he was a security guard, but he was his his boy. And I think that he he not only produced this track, he might have produced another one for him. But I think that, uh, yeah, Stretch deceased. Yeah, he died not long after this. Yeah, because they said that essentially, you know, people think that he is who set up Tupac. Yeah, and, and he was broken hearted by that too. Because yeah. he was like, Tupac was his boy. I heard that it was some street justice shit was how he, how he maybe, killed maybe. Him, so. but yeah. from, from the ways Nas tells it, if I'm not mistaken, mm. uh, he got really close to Stretch around this time. Oh, and he wow. was, Stretch was really heartbroken by Tupac distancing himself from Stretch because mm. he thought Tupac was his boy. He was like, how could you think I had anything to do with this? Yeah. And so, yeah, not long after this, not long after this album was released or maybe recorded, uh, uh, he got shot, he got killed. That's crazy. So, yeah, but that's who that's who that is. Okay. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah, I so, thought I didn't know Stretch was a was a, a music person. Like I, I thought I thought he was just you know he just hung with with Pac and he was like his boy and his you know security. I didn't know he was a, a music yeah. guy. So that's that's dope. I don't necessarily have an issue with the setup and suspect, um, or, or at mm. least those concepts. But I think that there needs to be more of a message of like this is how we're going wrong, right? Mm. Like. The hero needs to lose more on this. Mm. You know what I mean? And and I don't think the hero does that enough yeah. on here. I agree with you. I also feel as though I feel like the best albums, when I end them, I feel like I know what the what the person was trying to tell exactly. me. And I and I did not get that at all um, out of this. I, I got it from If I Ruled the World, the world exactly. by itself, yeah. the song, but the whole album was just kind of all over the place. And I agree there. You know, and and if I rule the world, I mean, that's something where uh, he really had a chance to tie the whole thing together. But there's not enough to convince me that these other songs on here, like especially when you have like Nas is coming yeah. or, uh, you know, shootouts, you know, there's there's nothing about those or even like live nigga rap. Like, really? Mm-hmm. Like none of that stuff really comes together with I, if I rule the world. I think that, mm-hmm. you know, the message, street dreams, I gave you power. Even watch some niggas taking blood. Uh, I think that those songs kind of fit in with that. Affirmative Action doesn't really fit in with that, but it's it's just such a dope song. Anyway. Right, right. So yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of tough, um, you know, because it's weird. I was listening to this album this morning, and it's the first time I listened to this album probably in like fifteen years. And I remember wow. I actually liked it more this morning just because mm-hmm. I think that individually all these songs are, with the exception of Black Girl Lost, and now that I think about it, Nas is coming. Mm-hmm. With the exception of those two songs, there's no bad songs on here. Like mm-hmm. the setup is it's not a bad song. Right. Suspect, it's not a bad song. They just don't really, really fit. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's hard for me to figure out what I would add to it. Maybe just take some stuff away. Maybe just strip it away. I yeah. know that the the theming that you get from the message, Street Dreams, I gave you power, especially, and if I rule the world, that's the theming that this song really, this this album really needs to encompass. Right. Just doesn't do it enough. Yeah, yeah. I, I again, I say that this album is underrated mm-hmm. because I feel the like it, people are still looking at it. Yeah, the bars are crazy. <laughs> the bars are crazy, and people are still looking at it with an illmatic lens. Yeah, and I think you know it's almost the difference between you know Kobe went to Rucker Park. 
yeah. and and busted some ass, you know, on the court at Rucker Park, and that's all well and good, right? Because Kobe is a is a, a raw talent. Yeah. But you know, the things that he needed to do to win championships with the Lakers yeah. are, are another another level, mm-hmm. and I think that like. You know, this is where we start to see Nas as as an artist, as opposed to just, you know, this super lyrical dude that's so nice that everybody wants to work with him. And so, you know, you just have all these producers just lavishing him with beats, um, you know, and he's just rapping on everything and just, you know, knocking it out of the park. This was like they actually try to, for the first time, sit down, create a concept, you know, and really like give us this well-rounded picture of who the artist was yeah in some ways it fell short but i really appreciate the growth here you know yeah i appreciate the growth too but i think that the other thing is that we can't at least i cannot i have to contextualize this album in terms of the other major projects that were coming out around this time and those mm-hmm. all seem like very focused efforts yeah. and this is the one that's lackluster and i mm-hmm. think that you know this falls short of the infamous. It falls way short of Cuban Link. Mm-hmm. It falls short of All Eyes on Me and you know Life After Death. Like it falls mm-hmm. short of those projects. It falls short of but, Reasonable Doubt. But I, what I will say is, I think to kind of combat that, I think that's more indicative of Steve Stout than it is of Nas. Right in yeah, that, yeah. in that, all those people you mentioned, their albums were spearheaded by visionaries. Yeah, so yeah, you know, Q-tip you had Puff, you had Puff, right, you had Puff, you had uh, Dre, you know, yeah. with uh, with with Pox, uh, you had RZA with you know yeah. uh, Cuban Links. So you know, you had these visionaries, and then you have Steve Stout. Like, yeah. what else have we heard of, about yeah. Steve Stout? you know, other than the stuff that he helped Nas with. And mm-hmm. and those are two albums in Nas's catalog that people actually don't look upon super favorably. Yeah. So I think that's kind of where it falls short from a vision perspective. He needed somebody. And and I've always wondered that because he's always said that he was going to work with these visionary people and create these albums and they just never came out. Yeah. Um. He finally did this Kanye thing, I guess, which... <laughs> he, he picked the wrong... Wrong time, wrong time wrong. in Kanye's yeah. life to work with him. Yeah, he should have worked with Kanye right around. Uh, I don't know, maybe I guess not late registration Kanye, but maybe uh, maybe beautiful dark twisted fantasy Kanye. Maybe mm. maybe I don't know. I thought um, late registration is the one that where where he's on it, right? Is he on? Is Nas on that album? I think yeah. The sec the second album, late registration is Kanye's second album. Okay, yeah, he he's on that joint, okay. and I think the, like you said, I think that's the the perfect would have been the perfect time for him to get with them. That's actually a good question. So, who do you think is the ideal executive producer for Nas, and at what point in that executive producer's career, and then at which point in Nas's career, like mm. yeah, I think that's a good that, exercise. I, the the only person I can just pull off the top of my head is puff really just because access to the hitman i think i think if he if this guy had the hitman doing his whole album and puffy kind of you know spearheading he just puffy just has to not do what he did with big and i think that's kind of the problem here is you know around this time you see a lot of people trying to do implement big's formula and like you said like big's case was very was very individual in that like you said he had very very graphic and very you know hardcore lyrics Mm -hmm. he also was he was a a heavy set dude right and so a lot of that formula came from them looking at what was working for heavy d yeah. And being like, how do we soften this guy up a little bit so that we can mainstream him? Yeah, sure. Nas is slim, attractive, charismatic to some degree. Not Biggie charismatic, right, but nah. charismatic to some degree. Like, the formula for him is going to be 
a little less intentional, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, easier to do. But but don't try to make Nas big, and don't yeah. try to make Nas woo because he's Nas, yeah. you know. So I think I think it took us some time to figure out who Nas was. And it, it's tough though because even when you have him going to Murder Inc. and working with <laughs> Oh my gosh, Irv Gotti, you know that didn't really come together well either. It never happened. So I honestly, that was the other person I was going to mention. Mm-hmm. Irv, around the time, Irv was working with, like, DMX and some more street yeah. artists before he and Ja Rule kind of came out with the formula of what was going to be successful for Ja Rule. Yeah. Might have been a good pick. Like, you think so? I mean, you look at DMX's first album, it did a really good job of telling us who DMX was. Yeah. And Nas, in my opinion, he never quite gave us an album that we're, like... I get it. I get who Nas is, well, etc. Il- for we me, it's Illmatic. Pieced it together. For me, it's Illmatic. But Ill- Illmatic to me is like it's like a, almost like a mixtape. Like people, people mm. will, will probably kill me for it. You know, shoot me if you have to. But you know, Illmatic was one of the first albums that had a whole bunch of different producers yeah. coming together to yeah. put something together. There's articles uh, and, on that. Yeah, and it's and it's it's just him. He's a superstar talent. He's going in the in the um in the booth. Like he said, you know, on um, on uh, Live from New York, right? Yeah. Not Live from New York. What was the first song? New York State of Mind. New York State of Mind. He said at the very beginning of the song, he literally says, I don't even know how to start this off. Right? Yeah. Like, like he's just going in there, writing some dope shit and just rapping it. It's yeah. not like, you know, fully well thought out concept where we put this album out. You know? I still have an idea who Nas is when I listen to that album, though. Mm-hmm. To me, he's the he's the he's the observer. He's a mm-hmm. reporter. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's a dude who grew up in the projects, who tried to do things right, and he witnessed things around him. And yo, this is my world. Yeah. That's to me is is what I. But hit. but from a mainstream perspective, right? Let's say you don't you don't give a fuck about bars, mm-hmm. right? And you listen to Illmatic. Are you even gonna listen to it all the way through? And are you gonna take away from it? The reason why this guy is interesting to me and he's a star to me is because of X. Sure. You think so? Uh, well, I think that the reason why, I mean, you know, it's, you know, it's a dilemma because mm-hmm. I, I think you're right. I think that when you look, when you listen to Illmatic, there's nothing there that should really suggest that he should be a star. My main issue is that I get a sense of who Nas is when I listen to Illmatic. But is there anything marketable in there? Is that what you're trying to get at? Or what are you yeah, suggesting? Kinda, so, like, I'll give you a, a good example, right? Another great hardcore album is is Ready to Die, mm-hmm. right? So you can tell that, I mean, it's got Gimme the Loot. It's got all this I stuff. You, you, you Right. You, so you understand, like, like, where Big is coming from. Yeah. But at the same time, in Puff's mind, he's like, but why is everyone gonna care? Yeah. Right? Not just people who care about this New York. Yeah, live no, I think that's show. fair. So that's then fair. so then you get you get big pop the big papas and you yeah. get, you know, the, the, the juicies. So juicy juicy is like a song that, you know, like really made everybody connect with Biggie. It's the so what song for Biggie, yeah. right? Where it's like, okay, oh you're robbing a bunch of people, that's cool. Oh, you sold crack, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Why do I care? And then Juicy comes out and you're like, oh, that's why I care. For Nas, you know, his So What record was If I Ruled the World. 
you asked about well so why puffy yeah you know exec exec produce the album i don't know that it would work Mm -hmm. there's a possibility that it wouldn't work because i think some of what made the big puff thing work is big pushed back a lot yeah and so you know it kind of created a diamond of puff being like do this shit and big being like no i want to do this shit and then they pushed their ideas together and the best of those ideas became what we got Mm -hmm. um I don't know that Nas would be able to push back enough in order for them to make something great. But if he were, because, you know, you remember, like, Nas was actually very apprehensive about putting this album out Mm -hmm. because he thought that people would think that he sold out. And people did think that he sold out when he put it out. So if Nas pushed back in the same way, you know, I think you give him Hitman production, you know, with Puff coaching him in terms of the so what about Nas. And I think, you know, maybe maybe it might work. It, it's it's a risk. It's Yeah, it's a risk. I'm trying to think of who I would really do. I mean, I, yeah. I, I've got several different names bouncing around. I mean, on, on one hand, you could say, you know, DJ Premier, right? But the problem is that DJ Premier is not a very good executive producer. And Q-tip. so what about what, Q-Tip? I was thinking about Q-Tip, but then yeah. especially around this time, you know, they were kind of try call cross is kind of falling off. I think that yeah. if, if Q-Tip really wants to, you know, let the artist shine, like like how he was helping out Mob Deep. Yeah, he did sure. the infamous the the yeah, sure. Then I think I think you could do that. But Havoc and Q-Tip together. Yeah. Uh, well, not for a Nas project though. Yeah. I would definitely need to. You know, I, I, like I the would, beats would be too dark. I would still want a variety of producers. Mm. I would still want that. I think, you know. Maybe if you had Kanye kind of doing for Nas what he did for Common on the B project, mm, maybe that's a good that's a good maybe. Example. I mean that's that, a possibility. That, that's ten years later. Yeah, but that's ten a good years example. later. That's a possibility. Yeah. Um, you know who? It's a cliche answer coming from me. I think that, don't say Rizzo. Yeah, well, I'm turning, I'm turning everything off. So and here's going the deal, on. though. Here, here's the deal. <laughs> I would only want a couple Rizzo beats, though. Yeah. I think that actually a lot of the poke and tone production worked really well for Nas. Yeah. But I think that what RZA does well is just really, really guide the art, really guide the artist in terms of helping them see their own vision. Mm. And I think that when you had him do it for so many different of now, granted they're his own projects. Yeah. But I think that if you had him lay off the foundations of the beats, right? Mm. And just kind of had him doing finishing touches here and there mm. and just kind of had guided Nas to say like, well, you got this over here and this over here and they're kind of competing ideas. Right. We need to figure out what you need to do. That's really, it doesn't even have to be RZA. I just need the producer to understand that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure if, I'm not convinced that Puff is the one to do could do mm. it because I'm only convinced that Puff is just seeing dollar signs, mm. and he's like, "Look, how can we make you the most marketable MC possible?" But but what what he did with Big was was incredible. But that's right? and, well, it, and that's it fit also really because, well. It's also because Biggie, like I said, I think that that marriage just really really worked yeah. because Biggie is so hardcore. So yeah. what's the next step? It's like, all right, if you're such a hardcore rapper and you mm-hmm. can put forth this image mm-hmm. of a hardcore gangster well what's the what's the obvious mark or what's the obvious way to market that it was like well what are the benefits of being the hardcore gangster right you what are the spoils of that so let's market the spoils as well but one thing i will say right like it, it, i'm talking puff in this time frame. Yeah. you go back to like black rob right like yeah. he made us care about black rob like like black rob's album life story never, is, re- is really good black rob though we should do that as a, as a okay. put you up all right black rob life story is a good okay. album all right g-dap you know what I'm saying? 
Um, I mean, I never cared I about G Dub. I, I didn't care about G Dub. I just like let's <laughs> let, me, get let me stop I like, lying. I just like shaking my shoulders. Let, let, me, let me stop lying. But the beats were hot. Uh, yeah. The concepts were good. But what I'm saying is, um, you know, I think Puff and the Hitman, because I'm grouping that all together. Yeah. Um. So you know, <clears throat> getting um, Mad Rapper, Crazy Cat, you know, getting his his feedback in terms of you know the 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 joints and um. Rashad Smith and you know all the folks that were kind of that made up that nucleus, all all those Howard cats. Yeah. <laughs> um. You know, I I think they could they could direct Nas and put him set him in the right direction. You know what though? I almost I almost wonder if you had someone like Marley Mall doing the mm-hmm. executive producing, mm-hmm. not all the individual tracks. You know, still get your premiere, still get your LES and mm-hmm. Large Professor and Poke and Tone or whatever. But I just someone who just understood just how gifted Nas was and say, like, mm. look, we need to make you marketable, but we also need to get your true essence out there. Yeah. And I'm not convinced that that, that Puff could have done it. Mm. Um I, I don't I'm not trying to dispute your point. I'm yeah, just no, for me, just, I'm just not sure if I'm convinced. But yeah. I but I can't think of anyone else who, yeah. who could. That's the problem. The two people that come off the top of my head immediately when I think is is like I said, Puff and Hitman mm-hmm. or Irv Gotti. Yeah. Uh, but I'm also I'm also contextualizing the time frame. Yeah. I'm I'm not allowing my brain to say, you know, is there somebody in the future or the past who could have made it happen? You know, I'm almost even thinking someone like 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 Wyclef, right? But the problem nah. this well, here's the thing though. Okay. The score is brilliant. Right. You know what I mean? But then every other thing that Wyclef did for other people, in my opinion, is whack. So it's like I don't trust that. But yeah. I don't know, like maybe somehow he can make it work. Who knows? Maybe. I don't know. I think, and this is just my opinion, but I do think that Wyclef is a genius, but I think that Wyclef is a collaborative genius. He's somebody that I want in the room, but I don't want him to be the room. I got it. I got it. Fat Joe. How? Fat Joe, if you think about what Fat Joe did, well, who was the executive producer for Capital Punishment? Was that Fat Joe? I don't know if he's credited as, but he probably was there. The we need we need to check that. Yeah. Cause because that's that's who it is. If you think of <laughs> and, and no, because here here's the reason why. I think if you think about like what capital punishment was and what Don Cartagena was, we you know, we were waxing poetic about that. I think that Fat Joe was someone who might have been able to understand how to 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 who understood how to do things that Puffy were doing also keep it street and also would appreciate who Nas was and get the best out of Nas as well. I, I feel think like that if did it I feel like if they did it together. Yeah. Um like like Puff and and Joe maybe I think maybe. that would work. Maybe. Yeah, so um I'm looking right now and, and Big Pun and Fat Joe are credited as as executive producers, co-executive producers with Matt Life. Yeah. I Something, but yeah, it's that's, clear, that, that's, that's, a, that's a good it's, point. It's though. clear that he needs direction, yeah. You know, what very, I mean? he very clearly, clear. He clearly needs direction, very clear. He needs someone who it's almost as if, like, you know, a lot of these things make sense, especially if you look at like Black Girl Lost, right? Mm-hmm. And you look at you know, like the, the interview, or if you look at uh, not the interview, what he had to say, the Instagram message in response to Khalees. You know, uh, like take ownership of yourself, dude. You know, take responsibility as a grown ass man. Yeah. And you know, you need to real, you need to figure out like who it is that you are, and be secure in that, and be confident mm. in that. And I think that one of the things that I'm starting to notice is that Nas is someone who he's always known that he's dope, but at the same mm. time is is suffer from a lack of confidence. Mm. It's 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 weird. It's like this is the only way I can explain it. Yeah, I think it's just you know. 
he raps more from a third person perspective right so like the majority of his best lines are him giving social commentary or talking about something that he's seeing um, or observing in someone else but i mean man he's got some bars in here he He got some bars in here he got some beats in here too he said um in the staircase i wasted years yeah like that's like it's not even it's not a like it's not a punchline it's just like Mm -hmm. Yo, yeah. the the buck that bought the bottle could have struck, struck the lotto. lotto. Yeah. Like, you know, he's just got lines in this joint that's like, wow. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh man, he he. I feel like now we're picking Nas apart, but wow, he was amazing. Yo, the bars on here are incredible. On like he yeah. he's one of my elite tier MCs. You know, yeah. there's only three people I can say that are 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 better if they're better, and that's Biggie, Jay Z, and Andre 3000, and that's debatable. Yeah. So you know, like Nas <laughs> Nas is that dude. Yeah, yeah. And know? I mean, you know, for somebody that we're saying doesn't really have a welcome to, to I mean, well, you're saying it's Illmatic, for but me doesn't it's have Illmatic. a have a. I mean, dude, he know. performed it at the Kennedy Center. Like, yeah, I mean. But I mean, you know, that's again hindsight. He's had a great career. Yeah. Was what I was gonna say for somebody who didn't have like an "I'm a superstar now" album. Right. Um, I guess this would technically be the "I'm a superstar now" album yeah. for him, and uh, it's not that. I got it falls kind of falls short of that. But well, either way, <laughs> I think that should that should wrap it up. Do you we, have any other any other points? We did our best. Yeah. Uh, you know, shoot us in the comments. Yeah, uh, please do. You know, definitely holla and. I, I like that we tackled this one, though, because I think that, uh, you know, like you said, and like many of others, like some people do consider it a classic. Yep. You, you may not. Um, I certainly don't. But I think that, you know, it's worth it to tackle this project. It's mm-hmm. it's easy when we're, you know, we're talking about Death Squad El Nino. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's easy when we talk about, you know, the other one from Nas, you know, The, the Firm, right? right. Um, even to Cal 2000, like, that's an easy oh, one. It's like, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit there. But this is this is a really complicated album mm-hmm. to tackle because it is good. There's a lot of good music on here. How do you make it a classic? Why yeah. wasn't it a classic? Yeah. Um, and and the, the our, our kind of easy cop-out on all of these, right, is like, it's just too long, yeah, right? Yeah. But this one, like, this it's only fifty five minutes. Yeah, this, this 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 album, like, the the time is is, yeah. is about right. Like, yeah. that, that that's perfect. Fourteen songs yeah. in this time frame. One of them's just the intro. Like, yeah. you know, we couldn't. That that wasn't our uh, our go to yeah. on this one. So yeah. definitely glad we tackled it as well. Definitely hit us in the comments. Uh, let us know if there's any other albums you think that we should do, um, or anything you agree or disagree with. Definitely highlight it. Ayo, peace, peace. Life, I wonder, will it take me under? I don't know. Imagine smoking weed in the street without cops harassing. Imagine going to court with no trial. Lifestyle cruising blue Bahama waters. No welfare supporters. More conscious of the way we raise our daughters. Days are shorter, nights are colder. Feeling like life is over. These snakes strike like a cobra. The world's hot, my son got knocked. Evidently, it's elementary. They want us all gone eventually. Trooping out of state for a plate. Knowledge, if coke was cooked without the garbage, we'd all have the top dollars. Imagine everybody flashing, fashion, designer clothes, lacing your click up with diamond rolls. Your people's holding dough, no parole, no rubbers. Going raw, imagine law with no undercovers. Just some thoughts for the mind. I take a glimpse into time, watch the blimp read, the world is mine. If I rule the world, imagine that. I free all my
in these last days until it be paradise life relaxing black latino and anglo-saxon Amani exchange the range cast lost tribe of shabazz free at last brand new whips to crash then we laugh in the illa path the villa houses for the crew how we do trees for breakfast dime sexes have been stretches so many years of depression make me vision the better living type of place to raise kids